Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Nope, he won't either. It's stolen by Reggie White. You talk about momentum turning around. You come back, look, he's coming away from him. You see what happened is, as he was looking to the left, Williams was, White just came in and took the ball away from him. One of those uniforms you'll never see again during a game, I can guarantee you that. The other uniforms, the green ones. Yeah. Coming back. Yeah. 20. 23. Just one of the many items of news that emerged on a busy Tuesday in the NFL, but one of the best pieces of news for people who love football history and, more importantly, who don't really like the Eagles uniforms that debuted back in 1996. The Midnight Green. There will be throwbacks. Not permanent. Not permanent. Should be. Another team will be added to the list of those whose throwbacks are better than their base uniforms because... Next season, not this one, next season, the Eagles, the Kelly Green is back for however many times per year they wear it. And I think it's awesome. Chris, even you as a Giants fan has to think it's awesome that one of your most hated rivals will be back in their classic Kelly Green uniform. To me, that's what the Eagles are. I've I've never been a big fan of like the new uniform. I, I haven't. I don't know what it is. I mean, again, I guess I'm biased growing up in that era. And I, I just still have great vivid memories of just sitting there in Giants Stadium and, oh, no, it's the Eagles and they're Kelly Green and Jerome Brown and Reggie White and Clyde Simmons. And, oh, exactly. And I hope my dad survives today. I mean, it really, that's the way it was back then. It, it used to literally make me, you know, have fear watching them walk out of the tunnel. I knew what kind of game it was, what kind of struggle it was. Dad got hurt a few times against that crew there. But – I don't know. To me, I mean, this is this is the uniform. There's just something about that helmet and the silver of that wing on the helmet that goes together so nicely 
that I miss it, and I'm glad they're uh, gonna die back. This isn't they did they did this one other time, right? Where they went to the Kelly Green like back in the um, Michael Vick era, right? When they kind of did it yeah. once or twice, and I remember start going, man, man, that looks sharp. So it's cool to see. Glad it's back. Well, can we put the picture up again? Because I noticed something that it may not be that humorous, but it was to me while I actually noticed it. While Tris, Chris does it, see the guy in the the security guy. Yeah, he's just he's thinking. Oh, yeah. this is gonna. He's thinking <laughs> this is gonna be a shame. <laughs> he's, he's out of focus, but I can just tell with the blur. He's thinking, oh, this is not gonna end well for number eleven. Yeah, that is the the old uh, concrete uh, veteran stadium because the Eagles would from time to time opt to wear white at home. That was something some of those teams picked up from the Cowboys. Right. The Cowboys were the only team that would wear white at home and some of their other rivals in the division would make them. I remember the Cardinals were the first team to do that. In Giants the 70s. always did make them wear blue. Yes. And then the Giants started doing it. The Eagles did it. Washington for a while chose to wear white. They, they developed the the all time home game will wear white. Yes, but it was the did. Cowboys is the only team for a very long time that chose to wear white at home. I remember thinking how odd that is. Every other team wears their dark at home except for the Dallas Cowboys. But then the Eagles did it. Remember when they had, for a couple of years, under Donovan McNabb, they had those ugly Brazilian soccer uniforms, which apparently were their original uniforms. Like the yellow and baby blue. Yellow and right? blue. Yeah, yes. right. I do I do remember that. I do. Yeah, it it's just, just doesn't seem like those color schemes go with the city of Philadelphia. You know, city of Philadelphia is no nonsense, no BS, up your screw you, what you're talking about. You know, I mean, that's that group there. Uh, you know, bright yellow and, and baby blue do not seem like they go with the city of the Philadelphia for sure. <laughs> they did beat the Lions in 2007 in the baby blue and yellow uniforms, 56 to 21. So apparently there was still some magic left in those. Or or the Lions stunk. It may have been more that the Lions stunk. Win the Super Bowl in those uniforms and maybe they become something that's permanently affixed to the team. But well, the Lions not good in 2007. No, definitely definitely not. Uh, not shocked to hear they got their win against that crew there. Well, all right. Is there one other uniforms are out there that like I feel like this is towards the top of the list where fan base even like national fans kind of clamor for ooh, everybody seems to like that old Kelly Green uniform, helmet, all of that. Anybody else out there in the NFL that we look at to we go, well, I wish they would change back. And I know some people like, I'm one that wish the Giants would go back to that uniform you saw my father in there. But are there any other ones that like jump out to you where you go, man, I wish they'd go back to the one they used to wear instead of this new thing they got. And there they there are, they, Mike. Oh, there it is. There it is. Oh, From week helmets. three of 2007. That was just hideous, but not for the home team that day. There's Brian Westbrook scoring. The other team's uniforms are hideous, too. Yeah, yeah they, they change theirs every few years, <laughs> and they could. never make them any better. Like, every few years, like, how can we make our uniforms worse? And they find a way to make them worse, even though it's still the same basic concept. I think the Bucko Bruce creamsicle uniforms for the Buccaneers, which will make a return in 2023 as well for a couple of games, those were hated at the time. Yes. A, a sense of nostalgia emerged at some point. You're right. I remember when they changed in 1996. Right. Second year under Tony Dungy, they changed to the pewter. And what a dramatic shift it was after 20 years with these ugly 
Art Deco uniforms that were supposed to be a northern Florida version of what the Dolphins were doing, and it was very Florida, and it was no, it didn't work, didn't work. <laughs> so they 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 go with the the pewter and the red, and everybody loved it. But over time, we were kind of like we kind of miss, yeah, you know, every once in a while, you know, the Patriots too are ones that I think will be back as soon as this year, right, right? And those are the ones that are far superior to the uniforms they've won six Super Bowls and they couldn't do anything other than get the one Super Bowl into the old ones. But I, I prefer the old ones with the white helmet and Pat Patriots snapping the football. It, it is good. You're right. I mean, that's a classic looking uniform. It's just not, you know, you're, you're right. It's not, you know, whatever, what do we want to say? Packaged together with winning or the remembrance of winning. Those Buc- Buccaneer uniforms, those are the those are the type of uniforms that people like. They're so ugly over time. People go, we got to just wear those every now and then. They're so ugly, but they're cool. Uh, that's what that really is. And I know the Bucks and, and ownership down there. They were a little reluctant to break out the creamsicle uniforms once again. In fact, the year after I lost my spleen, they broke them out, and I was so disappointed I couldn't play. I couldn't wear them. Uh, I wanted to see myself in that. Then the Broncos, right? The Broncos orange crush uniforms would be another one I'd look at to go. I like their current uniform, but to me, nothing beats watching John Elway drop back in that helmet with that orange jersey and the number seven on there. To me, that, that's one I wish they'd go back to a little, little bit more than they do. What I like, though, in the age of the one helmet rule, which limited the options for throwbacks and alternate uniforms, they started putting the old... D with the snorting Bronco yeah. on their dark blue helmet, right? Which I kind of cool. like that. I hear you. I kind of like I that. Know. I'm with you. But but back to the lighter blue helmet with the embrace of the orange, the bright orange, like they they wore in the 70s and into the 80s, uh, right up until like the mid 90s, right before they started winning Super Bowls. That's they right. changed that that, year. that stylized modern horse looking thing, which again it worked for them, but uh, the old one. Looks better. The the Falcons too. I like the old flying bird and yeah. not that. Let's force it to make look make it look like an F. I I never like those. Whether it's red helmet or black helmet, the the old Falcons logo is good, and they still use that on the black helmet from time to time because they didn't have to you know have a second yeah, helmet. It, right. It really was a long decade of uninspired throwbacks because of the NFL's belief that. Wearing only one helmet all year long somehow helped with brain trauma. And that never made sense to me. It still doesn't make sense <laughs> it to me. It still doesn't Especially to me Especially when either. you see Oregon's college team wear a different helmet every week all right. year long. I mean, your helmet size and type, whatever model it is, if that works for you, that works for you. Who cares if you have two of them? Never I, made sense. No, it doesn't make sense. Let alone, I would think, hey, hey, here's the new helmet. It hasn't been hit as much. It's probably in better shape and better condition. Let's do it. I, I never. That's the part I never understood. Uh, like you said, it, it's not. It's not that hard to get fitted for a helmet and feel okay, pretty comfortable in it. It takes a day's practice to sweat in it and then go, oh gosh, all right. It feels like it. It, it forms to my head, and then I just never understood that aspect of it of going. Well, wait, like, you know, here's a new helmet. Let's give the old one a break. This one can take some of the pounding here. I, I, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me either. How do you feel now, a month and a half removed from the Super Bowl, about the Bengals uniforms? Because I still miss the old orange helmet with the Bengals written out I know. in capital letters on the side. You hated their their what what to me looks like somebody got drunk and tried to carve a pumpkin helmet. But <laughs> when they win... 
they look a lot better. How do you feel now? I know. It, it, it did change me through the year. I joked about this on my podcast a lot because I've, I've had years of, you know, making fun of that uniform. I do like the Nikeification of their uniform. I will say that. Just the way they simplified the jersey, all of that. And even though I don't love the helmet, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's like Mahomes with Kansas City. I used to think hot dogs and mustard when I looked at that. Now I think cool. And it's like Joe Burrow did the same thing with Cincinnati. I kind of go, eh, it's not that bad. It's growing on me. Joe looks cool at it. Okay, maybe we can build something there. It's amazing what winning and a few cool players can kind of do to change your thought or, or your look of what you see there. One thing, too, that I would love to see – is the Vikings go back to their old uniforms, whether it's the ones they had in the late 90s or the ones they had before that. They started putting the numbers on top of the shoulder pads, which took a little while to get used to. But the the, the matte helmet, that, that trend ended a long time ago. They still do the matte helmet. Yeah. And I don't need the horn on the side to have the little 3D markings to make it clear it's a horn. Go back to we all know it's you a want horn shiny now. I know you want people, shiny helmet back. You want I that. want I want shiny helmet. I want simplified two dimensional horn. Yeah, I want simplified uniform. I want I don't like the funky Nike numbers. Like everybody's got to have a different font. No block letters are fine. Block numbers are fine. Go back to that. And and you know that's the thing when we talk about these different uniforms. The one thing that we never mention, and I'm going to mention it now, we take for granted the classic looks. That never changed. The Raiders, the Packers, the Bears, sure. the Steelers. I remember the Steelers. It was a big deal mid '90s when they changed the the style of their numbers and they put a patch on their jersey on the other side where they don't have the logo. Like where, where the side it's just nothing. Like they felt compelled. Well, we can't put the logo on this side of the helmet because that's our thing. We only have a logo on one side. So let's put our logo on the jersey. I guess in case somebody gets confused and doesn't know we're the Steelers. It, 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 that doesn't make sense to me, but they made that one change, and they've, they've never changed since then. No, nothing beats the classics. I'm with you there. Uh, I, I think if I look at or think of the top uniforms in football, uh, Packers, Cowboys, uh, 49ers, Bears, you said Raiders, the, 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 they're definitely towards the top of the list, uh, uh, at least for teams for me. I'm a little sucker for the traditional ones. But, yes, I love those. How, how can you really beat the Raiders uniform? It's just the silver, the black, the silver helmet. It's just special and simple. And Pittsburgh, like you said, same thing. I don't know. When they walk on a field in a stadium, it just seems different than, than other uniforms. First thing I ever had NFL-related when I was four or five years old was one of those little plastic helmets, and it was the Raiders, and it had a pencil sharpener inside of it. I remember I'll those. I'll never forget that. I thing. remember those. I'll never yeah. forget that thing. Yeah, I was a little had... that. What a, what a hazard the pencil sharpener was. Although it was perfect, it was impossible. I guess like a little kid could get his finger in there and twist it around and and cut it on that blade, that razor blade that was jammed into the pencil sharpener. Uh, I never thought to do that. Thankfully, still have my fingertip to show for it. But that was the first thing I ever had. All right, Pete told me about three minutes ago, let's get to the news, which is a very polite way of saying you have exhausted this topic. There are more important good things talk, to discuss. Good talk, though. Good talk. Yep. That's and there are. Gotta, now Pete says it was fun. We got to be Pete fans sometimes. That's what we are. Oh. I mean, we just got to talk and, and, and be two guys at a bar hanging out. Let's go. Good news for the fans. The overtime rule. I was a little nervous. I was a little concerned. I was worried there may not be a consensus around any one approach, which causes the NFL sometimes to say, let's just keep doing what we're doing for the postseason. 
Both teams have the opportunity to possess the ball. And if the score is tied after each team has possessed the ball once, it then becomes Mike Tomlin's preference of sudden death. He doesn't fear sudden death. He'll still get sudden <laughs> death after the first two possessions. Um, and really, after after the first team's had a possession, a chance yeah. to possess the ball, if they don't score, it can still be sudden death because then the second team can win with a field goal or a touchdown. And, Chris, you know, when you think about it, and I don't know that they could call this an unintended consequence because unintended consequence to me is failure of imagination because it isn't that hard to sit down and just kind of BS back and forth about all the different ways this is going to go. And I'll tell you one way it's going to go. You're going to have teams that win the toss and kick. You're going to have that happen a lot, especially if weather is a factor at all. If wind is an issue at all, home field advantage, you're going to have a – I think a lot more teams now are going to be very inclined to kick because – yeah. If you give up a touchdown on the first drive, you're going to know exactly what you need. you got four down territory, the full length of the field. And then you hold the fate in your hands. You score a touchdown, assuming the team that had it first gets seven. Yeah. You can go for the win. And two, go for the loss because the other alternative is sudden death. So uh, I, I, I love that aspect of it where Marty Morningweg's decision from 2002 or three where he kicked to start overtime isn't going to be as crazy anymore. Not going to be as crazy. I, I'm, I'm with you, and in fact, I think that'll be the really the the plan of attack for most teams. You know, gauge it out. Let's see. Maybe we stop them. Maybe we get the ball in field, good field goal position. Like you said, you know what you want, and I think you hit on the other unintended consequence. At least that's what I thought of. You know, again, this rule has got the spotlight on it because of why the Mahomes Josh Allen shootout that was maybe the last or the most exciting last five minutes we've ever watched in a football game ever in the history of football. We didn't get to see that. So yes, the kicking off at overtime, but I you know, to to what you're saying, the the go for two for the second team that scores. One team scores a touchdown, now the other team gets the ball, gets a chance. I would think in a game like we saw in that divisional Sunday, uh, Bills Chiefs, that would be the game you'd see it. McDermott would make the decision to go, you know what, our defense, I give up. We're not going to stop Mahomes and them. That's it. We're going to go down right here. Josh Allen's going to win the game or we're going to lose. Here we go. And I, I think that's the other unintended consequence of this that I really like. I really do. So I think it was the appropriate change. I'm glad they didn't do it even in the regular season. I, I think it's special just to have this in postseason play, not drag on the games, you know, worrying about, you know, I guess it is a 17-game season and all that. You get to the playoffs, hey, it's the better teams, it's the better quarterbacks. We don't want to see teams go out like that. I guess that's why there's a little added emphasis to me, and I'm glad they made the change. And they can't call it an unintended consequence. It's an expected consequence, I think, because – you do sit down and you talk it out and you think it through. Yeah, that's and it right. Makes sense. Right. That's why I, I always hate when they say unintended, because unintended just implies to me that they have their heads up their asses. Pardon me <laughs> when they're when they're in the room doing their jobs of understanding and imagining how this is going to work once you put it into practice. I think we kind of know yeah. how it's going to work. Right. The only thing you have to do. Though, if you're going to kick to start overtime, you're giving up that opportunity to begin the sudden death phase with the ball if you go seven, seven, That's right. six, six, yes. three, three, or eight, eight to begin the scoring of overtime. Right. Yeah, that, that is. You're right. That's the risk you're going to take. Wait, we, we, we kick off, they score, we score. Now they get the ball, and if they score, the game is over. 
And maybe that's what sways people or, or makes them think twice about it. It's, it's, again, that's one of those things. You're going to have to evaluate your team, what they are during the season, how good are we on defense, and then not only the season thing, but I think to this scenario, you're, you're going to evaluate the game and just the actual game and the flow and what's going on there, your injuries, your team healthy. You know, We knew that made the difference for McDermott in that game as far as some people banged up in the secondary and, and issues like that to where it changed their thought process. So, yeah, I would think all those things come into play here, Mike. But the appropriate move, and, and it sounds like it – Got pushed through pretty easily, right? That a lot 29 of twenty nine to three. Yeah, so that's twenty nine to three. That's good to hear. The Falcons are glad it wasn't twenty eight to three with one <laughs> abstention. Miles Simmons made that point. Oh, yeah. But you know what? The Falcons in that game, yeah, that game would have got a chance. They would have gotten the ball, right? They would have gotten the ball, and that didn't make the ruckus that it did because the big story in that game was the Patriots overcoming the deficit. Yeah, the Patriots winning with a touchdown on the first drive of overtime. Frankly, it it it, it was kind of like to me. No matter what the overtime rules are, the Patriots are winning that game. No After doubt. they that was over. come back from 28-3, to 3, <laughs> right. they're winning that game. The <laughs> right. Falcons are done. They're just like, get, get us the hell out of here. Take the, take the freaking trophy. <laughs> this is just details now as to how the Patriots win this game. The, the, the only – and I, 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 I'm reluctant to mention this because I think it's kind of goofy. I've seen people make this argument what? anticipating that people will say, well – if it's tied 7-7, seven, seven, you, you, each team scores, and then the, then like if the Chiefs, if the yeah. Chiefs had scored 7, the Bills score 7, and the Chiefs get again, well, Josh Allen should get a second chance. No, 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 no. Because if the Chiefs score 7 and the Bills go down the field, they have an opportunity to win the game with their offense yes, if they right. choose to do right. it. They can, they can avoid sudden death if they choose to do it. So at least they have a fair chance. At least they have an opportunity. And, and how thrilling that would have been. If the Chiefs score, take one, they're up by seven, Bills score, and decide to go for two. That would have been a moment. Yeah. And maybe we'll get that moment. Although, Miles Simmons and I were talking about it yesterday, too. There probably won't be another overtime playoff game for a dozen years now. Yeah, right. Now that they finally fixed overtime. I, I, I don't, no, don't worry. In the AFC, we're going to have it. With these quarterbacks, uh, we're going to have it. We'll, we'll get to see this. For sure. They're just they're too good. They got too many weapons at their disposable. Most of these quarterbacks, disposal, not disposable. Uh at their at you know, at their disposal. I, I just I, the way the rules are, I think we'll see it. We definitely will. Uh and I'm with you too, Mike. Yes, the ch- the fact that you get the chance to go for two with that second position possession and end the game, no, that squashes the argument of, oh, we should get the ball again too. And, you know, at some point we gotta draw a line here. You know, again, there, there's like we talked about. There's a million dollar players on the defensive side of the ball too. They got to make a stop. It's that can't always be perfectly fair for everybody. This isn't the second grade YMCA league where everybody gets a blue ribbon for great participation. Uh, yeah, it's not everything's going to be perfect. What they're doing here, I think, is the best possible thing they can do for right now. It is very fair, especially with the fact, that, like you said, that second team can go for two and end the game. Uh, so I like it. And, yeah, I saw some of that on Twitter and social media too, but come on. Yeah, look, the, the only way to eliminate that concern that there is a lopsided opportunity to do whatever is necessary to be done in overtime is to switch to the college system where there's always a chance to match or my preferred approach, which they won't do because it's too gimmicky, which we're going to see begin next month with the USFL, the two-point conversion shootout, 
where you go back and forth and back and forth trying to score from the two-yard line. They're going to do it three times each in the USFL, and then after that they go back and forth until somebody gets it and somebody doesn't. Um, in theory, it could last forever. Yeah, well, we way, saw a college but... game that lasted forever like that yeah. last year. What was that, Penn State and somebody? I can't remember exactly who it was, Pete. Maybe you'll remember. But, yeah, to me, that, that's not really football. It's, not a, it's, not taking in, it's taking a lot of factors of the game out of it. And it was Penn State, Illinois. Way to go, Pete, coming up with there. Nine overtimes. Listen, that, like it, it, I was watching. It, it really wasn't that cool after like overtime four. It was kind of like, oh, my gosh, because some of it was bad, too. But you're a little bit like, you know, again, it, it's not football from the two-yard line and, and some of that stuff. It just it doesn't seem the same. I don't want to see that. And there's the other problem, too, from the standpoint of preparing to play in a game. How many two-point conversion plays and short yardage type plays are you going to have? How many are you going to hold back? You know, when you get to that stage of the game where all you're doing is going for two, you may be out of options. You may be going back and doing things you did early. It's just, it's got, look, I like it from the standpoint of you can present it in a way that would be very compelling. And I've suggested 44 guys on the field, 25 seconds between plays, split the officiating crew and just ping pong it back and forth. That would make for a very compelling two or three minutes until it was all resolved. But it's not real football. Right. They wanted a change to overtime. If they were going to do one, that would have been continuation of the game of football with special teams a factor offense defense normal stuff at play right i didn't know the three teams that voted against it the vikings dolphins and bengals voted against it now the vikings confusing because they were the team that first got burned in a playoff game by the old overtime rule that was only partially fixed the 2009 NFC Championship where the Saints win the toss of overtime. They had a decent return. They get a couple of first downs. There's a couple of questionable illegal contact fouls that kept the drive alive. Garrett Hartley kicks the field goal, and the Saints walk off as the NFC champions. I'm surprised the Vikings would be against this. And they haven't been burned or helped by the – well, they did get helped by it. Maybe that's why they didn't want to change it. They got helped by the playoff overtime rules. They had a first-time touchdown against the Vikings. Here, according to The Athletic, the Vikings don't like the fact that the team getting the ball second in overtime will get unlimited time to score a touchdown. Um, I don't know that that's the way to put it. I think it's more – it's not unlimited time to score a touchdown. It is that you get – you, you, you know it's fourth down every time you get – excuse me. You, need, you, need, you know you need to go for it every time you hit a fourth down. Yeah, right. Down. You got that You have four down territory right. the whole field. Right. So that, that makes it, in theory, a little bit easier because you know what you have to do. You know you have to get down and score. I don't, I don't really understand the idea of unlimited time. With the Bengals, I know why the Bengals didn't vote for it. Mike Brown never votes for anything. He's against <laughs> everything. Seem like it. <laughs> he never votes for anything. You know, the argument would be, well, they, they managed to beat the Chiefs under the current rules. Well, right, but overcoming an unfair rule doesn't make the rule any less unfair. Mike Brown votes against everything. Everything. It's, it's amazing. Anytime, now sometimes, obviously, if it's unanimous, he did, but anytime it's 31 to 1 or 30 to 2 or something like that, you can count on the Bengals being one. Why? Why do you think he's like it. that? Just traditional? He just doesn't want things to change? Or he just, he just I, says no to all this nonsense? He just, he votes against 
everything, even the things that you would look at and say, there's no reason to be against this. Right. You will vote against it. Damn, I'm so. disappointed in your Vikings. I mean, just a disappointing vote by them. Gosh, how can I, you vote? I'm how just, can you root for them anymore? <laughs> well, I, well, t- trust me. Uh, I've, uh, I, I, listen, I don't know why you won't believe me when I say I've become <laughs> ambivalent. They've beaten me down. Congratulations, Vikings. You have managed to suck the passion out of me. But, um, I, and, and, you know, again, when you know it's going this way, Sometimes it makes sense, and they'll do this. They'll do this from time to time. I guess they didn't care about this one, but a lot of times in the room, in a setting like this, they'll inform the participants the vote was 29 to 3. Should we revote? And sometimes the three who were against, for the good of the idea that we're all moving forward together, it'll be 32 to nothing after that on the second vote. Sometimes they'll do that, but obviously either they didn't do it for this or they did, and the team still voted against it. So I I think it's the right thing to do, and I'm glad that most of the teams set aside their own preferences. My big concern, as you know, Chris, was that there were going to be teams thinking, you know, yeah, the rule's unfair, but (laughs) there's a benefit if you win the toss. Yeah. You get, a, yeah. you get a chance to win the game with a touchdown, and it's 50-50, and we kind of like that. Especially, the, I thought the Packers would be against it just because they've been burned by it twice, so now they're due. Yeah, yeah I, I hear you. Like we talked about the football gods, the karma of the game, whatever. Yeah, teams do look at it that way, yes. But I think ultimately most coaches don't want to go down with, wait, we, we, man, we, we deserved one more crack. We deserved one more swing. And especially – in a league where we've made it so much about the quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback, and the rules are favored to, you know, help the offense and the passing game and the receivers and the quarterback. That's where I just feel like most head coaches, they realize that a lot of these teams got these special type of quarterbacks and uh, they know how moving the ball at certain times of the game, especially late in the game can be quite easy. A lot of the times during the year with defense being tired and getting worn down as a game goes on. So I think a lot of head coaches look at this and go, no, this is the right thing to do for sure. I could also see some coaches basically, and, and it's how you're wired, but if you reside at all within your fears, there's an argument to be made. Hey, we flipped the coin. They won the toss. They drove down the field. The rules favor the offense. They got a great quarterback. We've been playing all game. What are we supposed to do? Yeah. Whereas – if they score and then you get the ball and you're expected to match it and you make a bad decision and they stop you or whatever, it's just more stuff you can be criticized about if you have that opportunity and it fails. Like, under the old rule, what are we supposed to do? We lost the coin toss. Not my fault. I mean, you can't tell me, well, you should have called tails. Tails never fails. I mean, it's so – and again, I don't know how many coaches are wired that way, but that would be a reason to be against it. It's one less thing to worry about from the standpoint of all the stuff that I can be criticized for – because I wasn't put on the spot with a second possession in overtime, a first chance for my team, knowing I needed a touchdown, having to crack the code on their defense when my guys are tired. There's a point where you just say, enough, let's move on, and I don't have to worry about saying, well, what'd you, what'd you do? Why'd you call that play on third and seven? So, uh, anyway, um, what is the, the gambler's fallacy? Pete pasted in the gambler's fallacy, also known as the Monte Carlo fallacy, occurs when an individual erroneously believes that a certain random event is less likely or more likely to happen based on the outcome of a previous event or series of events. This line of thinking is incorrect since past events do not change the probability that certain events will occur. So the Packers, 
it would be the gambler's fallacy for them to think that, that they're the due to win time. again. Right, right. But, but I don't care because people think that way. Yeah, yeah. I know I it's you. a fallacy, but people think that way. You're right. You flip a coin twice and it comes up heads. It doesn't make it less likely to come up heads the third time. It's still 50-50. But there's a human element that says, I'm due. Yeah. I'm due. Yeah. Regardless of the fact that the odds don't change. And that human element of I'm due could have caused a team like the Packers to say, we're due. Let's keep the rule. Yeah, I hear I hear you there. I do I do hear you. But yeah, you know, again, you know, I understand it what you're saying with the Packers too, but gosh, if you're Matt LaFleur, you're going, Well, we, we need one more shot with Aaron Rodgers for sure. Uh, but your points are real. It does put more pressure on you and how you handle certain situations, and it's going to make it better that way. But the coaches, I think, to your point, too, are, are wired to, wait, let's keep this fight going. Wait, we don't want to go down with getting our chance. Most of them are wired that not, way. Not Mike Tomlin. Well, I don't fear sudden well, death. Well, that's because he it's not, it's not necessarily that he looks at it going – Put my defense on the field. Like, that's what he looks at. He's got a different attitude. He's a defensive guy. So he's going, my defense can make the stop. Screw your, you know, oh, the the other team needs it. Right. Has he ever has he ever chosen to kick to start overtime? I don't think no. he has. No, no, no. that's he still stupid. Takes the ball. That's stupid. Yes, he didn't. I just said he's not afraid. I didn't say he was stupid. He's not going to do that. <laughs> um, let's move on to uh, the next topic from yesterday. And this relates to a rule that is extremely unpopular: the taunting pe- uh, rule, which wasn't a new rule. It was just a point of emphasis. They had a press conference yesterday. Rich McKay and Troy Vincent were there to answer questions. Here's a voice you may recognize asking Troy Vincent about the NFL's new focus on calling any and all potential taunting fouls. I mean, we all saw Tyreek throw up the peace sign at the Bills defenders and not get called. Did y'all do the other way of we missed this many calls that should have been called for taunting? Yes, ma'am, and Tyreek was one that was missed. Um, so we, we looked at both. The Tariq Hill uh, play that you were talking about, that was a missed call, should have been called. And then there was a few, I remember there was a Watt play in Pittsburgh that him and someone else in the Baltimore game. But it's important to acknowledge, and the video is, the, is the, the ultimate, you know, that's where we all can look at and say, this is what we want, this is what we don't want. So we understand the fans feel, but uh, it goes back to the players know. And, uh, you know, you, you, it just leads to bad outcomes, and the game becomes personal ball. And then that's what, that's what you don't want. The context there was that the NFL was basically bragging about how they believe that the vast majority of the taunting fouls that were called were proper calls, that there weren't mistakes, that there wasn't over-officiating. Shireen Williams, who asked the question, her point was, but you did have some examples of under-officiating where there was taunting that wasn't called. And, you know, we had been given tips by people when we were doing the yeah. Wednesday of official review segment where they're after further review. That's what we called it. Yes. Thank you. How quickly we forget. But um, there, there had been like some taunting, some Cassius Marsh style stuff away from the ball that wasn't flagged. So plenty of examples if they wanted to look for them and you would have to really scour the film to find all the times where someone was taunting and it wasn't called. But there was plenty of stuff like that. So that's one of my big criticisms. It's fine if you're going to call it, but you got to call it all the time. You can't 
say we want to take these behaviors out of the game and we're going to throw this 15-yard foul and we're going to change field position dramatically, if you're missing blatant examples of it, like the one we just saw when Tyreek Hill was farther away from the end zone than Matt Milano and still threw up the deuces and still beat him to the goal line. You have to call that as well. That was the most glaring example, but there were others that weren't called. No, definitely. And then maybe that's where Sky Judge comes into play to help fix that. They aren't changing Sky Judge to encompass that, but that's the challenge. You got to call it fairly. You got to call it equally. And the problem is because the rule's so unpopular, anytime somebody points out, hey, they missed a taunting foul, like, oh, get off my lawn. Oh, we shouldn't call that. But no, that's not the point. Yes, we agree with you. They shouldn't call it. But if you're going to call it at all, you got to call it whenever it happens. Or it's not fair to the team that doesn't get yeah, that the, does it the right way. field position. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the inconsistency drove us crazy all year long. And we know. You know, because of the after further review Wednesday segment that we did during the season, I mean, we had coaches reaching out, people reaching out. I mean, that, that was that was bothering them. It, it was that. So I think between, I look at, you know, that aspect of the inconsistencies. You're right. You got to call it every time, even though you don't like it, right? And again, what I would want to know is like, wait, if Tyree Kill didn't look at Matt Milano, is he cool to put the deuces up that way? Is he cool to do that? You know, that, that's what I would want to know, too, because, again, I don't want to take total fun out of the game. And that's where, uh, okay, inconsistency was problem one. And then I felt like the other issue we had was the over-officiating of it. You know, again, going back to the Cassius March thing. And there was a ton of other examples like that, too, where you went, listen, this is not taunting. This is a guy celebrating or this is just a quick emotion of like the guy said, screw you. And he got up and was like, screw you. I'll be back again the next play. Like that's not taunting. Like that's where they cross the line. I mean, this, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like that is still unbelievable. Okay, but it happen. wasn't the kick. It was I, that. Oh, that's I, what drew I, it. Okay, I know. That's I, what I drew it. it. I know. Right? But see, but see, to your to your point though, this is to your point. I could go through every game and look at almost every game and see a receiver catch a ball and stand up and stare at the other team's sideline and be like, "Yeah, what? I just got twenty yards. Screw it." Now, so then call it all the time. To your point, that's where to me there's got to be some line there. And it was just all over the place last year. Here's one that was called a foul that shouldn't have been. Is that what it was? That was called. Wait, wait. So this is the one they don't want to call. Here's TJ Watt, man junk up in his face, and he's talking to him. He's putting his man junk literally up against his back and then putting it in his face. And that's the one they're going to say that's okay? They're cool with that? That, that to me, see, this is where we're here. We are. We are day one, and I'm already going, What? Stand over him, look at him, saying something, putting his yeah, man junk in his that, face. That's okay. And okay. You can, I'm, I'm confused. I, are we sure that's the one Troy Vincent was talking about? Because that seems to be exactly. Hang on, Pete. Pete, let me finish. It, it looks exactly like what they don't want him to do. Oh, God, why are they trying to confuse us with this? That is precisely what they don't want. They don't want a guy in someone's face. I'm not going to use the man junk thing, although I just did. You just did. But nodding your head, right in his face, that right there when he when he does that with his head. Yeah. Y- yeah. It, yes. That that seems to be what they don't want. I, I, I that's where I'm, I'm confused by it. Here we. I mean that that's the one. So the Cassius Marsh thing is that was okay, but that one where a guy's actually taunting a person 
three inches from his face and his private parts. That, that so I don't know. Maybe we are. I have wrong. a feeling. I have a feeling. Troy Vincent misspoke. Okay. Gut feeling. Gut feeling. Because when he was yeah. when he was rattling them off and he kind of moved on yeah, real quickly. Right. I mean, and was, I saw. He's thinking I kind of thought plays. maybe. Right. Maybe maybe he misspoke because yeah. that can't be that can't be an example of a mistake. That seems to be a textbook example of what they're trying. Yeah, I'm bet you. I bet you're right, Mike. I, I mean, he's a guy that's got a lot of plays in his head. He probably got it confused. Yeah. Um, Vincent said that. I don't. I still don't. I still, I still, I know that's what he said. I don't think that's what he meant. I'm going to make that assessment because it can't, that can't be not taunting. Because if that's not taunting, then 80% of the calls last year were wrong. Yeah. Because right. that's, that's, that, the whole idea is, because people are like, why, you know, no fun league guy. You don't want to cross a line into something that pisses someone off to the point where they are going to try to settle the score later in the game, whether it's after the play or during the play. I'm going to go after someone and hit this. See, I think that's what it comes down to. I'm going to have an opportunity at some point in this game to take yeah. a clean legal shot at that's a guy right. that I otherwise wouldn't. But you know what? I can now, and I'm going to because he pissed me off earlier because he had his man junk dangling in my face to yeah. use your Yeah, we're going to join the club. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go blast him now, and it's not a foul for me to do it. And I'm not starting a fight after the play, but I got a chance to go put him on his ass, and I'm gonna go do it because he disrespected me earlier in the game. I think that definitely is what they're trying to avoid. Definitely, the marked man, the headhunter, whatever you want to say it is in the NFL, it's a real thing. I mean, it really is. So, you know, guys talking trash, whatever. You're right. You know, even within the legal limits of the game, talk trash, say the wrong thing. That guy is going to look for his opportunity, you know, the smart players to do it within the legal rules to go, well, I'm going to get my shot and let this guy know what he said to me. I didn't like it and approve my point. That's that's exactly what they're trying to stop in the NFL. They're trying to stop that. They're trying to stop it from carrying over to meeting number two. I can't tell you how many times, Mike, I played in games or part of a team where one team did illegal blocks or talked too much crap in a game, and then we play them a division rival maybe three or four weeks later, and we put a hit out on them. You know, hey, we're going to run this play and toss crack on this defense end because he illegally hit our quarterback or talked too much crap last week, whatever it was. And now we're going to we're going to let him know that, yeah, we remembered and we're going to take our shot. That's what they want out of the game. You're exactly right. Well, and and it's even broader than that. I think part of what we've seen since the NFL had its concussion epiphany in October of 2009 was forced by involvement of Congress to wake up to the issue of head trauma and what it can do to somebody short-term and long-term. And the NFL began trying to take unnecessary contact out of the game. There's a certain amount of necessary contact that is unavoidable. But the NFL began very slowly and gradually carving away things that it believes is unnecessary to the game. And what otherwise would be a legal hit on someone – a legal, not an illegal, but a legal hit on someone away from the play, you know, under whatever circumstance where you really don't need to go do it. If you're giving someone an incentive to go do it, that adds that one incremental bit of physical contact. And with each incremental bit of physical contact, somebody can get injured, somebody can get a concussion, somebody whatever. And so it's a combination of taking concussion seriously and justifying a 17th and eventually an 18th game. Iron out any and all unnecessary contact 
these types of incidents and exchanges generate potential unnecessary contact because it pisses someone off who lies in wait and and wants that opportunity to go blast a guy. Like, hey, All right, let's and, well, and, and to your just real quick to button this up. Oh, guess what? Concussions were down last year. They're already laying down the train tracks for that 18-game season, making sure you know. 17 games, concussions went down. 18, we'll be fine, no problem. Add another game on the list. I got one more thing to say about overtime, too, a prediction that I'm going to make. I made it on PFTPM, but I want to run it by you, and I know we got to take a break. But I think what's going to happen eventually, regular season overtime, is going to go back to straight sudden death. Mm. I think it's going to happen. Here's why. They're going to want to... Have those games even shorter yeah, right. because eventually the you're going to start game. dropping them on Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, you're know, you going to have six days, five days more often between games. Yep. You've got to shorten these games. They already shortened overtime from 15 to 10 minutes because of the Thursday night blowback when the Falcons went nearly 75 minutes against the Raiders. No, it was the Bucks had to go nearly 75 minutes against the Raiders and then had to play four nights later and got destroyed by the Falcons. I think we're going to see sudden death back in the regular season at some point when they're ready to start scheduling games on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights on a regular basis. Makes sense. Coming, so. Makes sense. I like where you If it yeah. never happens, forget about it. If it happens, remember this day, March 30, 2022. Let's take a break. Roger Goodell spoke yesterday, and he gave us some clarity on something because Pete didn't finish the tease. So I don't know what he gave his clarity on. We'll find out when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit, credit to the people. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. That's why I saw it on Instagram. So you think you saw a story that involved her? Definitely possible. Definitely possible. Did you find her attractive? That wasn't my intention, sir. I didn't ask you what your intentions were. I can't answer that. I have a girlfriend, so that wasn't my intention, sir. Okay, so you can't you can't answer that because you have a girlfriend? Because that's not what I was looking for. What did you want from her? Just a massage. Was she a massage therapist? Yes, sir. Licensed? I'm not sure, sir. Trained? I'm not sure, sir. Schooled? I'm not sure, sir. Did you tell the Texans you were doing that? No, sir. A clip from one of the Deshaun Watson depositions leaked by his 
not his lawyer, but the other side, Tony Busby, who represents the 22 individuals suing Deshaun Watson. Is that allowed? Eight in Cleveland. Yes, it is allowed because there's no protective order. I confirmed yesterday. There's no issuance from the court saying this stuff is secret because this, this this is essentially no different than testifying in open court. These are public records. They're free to be filed with court papers. There's nothing that prevents anyone from giving out the transcript, playing the full video if they choose to do it, posting it all on YouTube if they want to. I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. But it was Busby who's putting out this edited clip that obviously is aimed at making Deshaun Watson look bad. And on one specific point, here's where it's critical. And I don't know anything about the credibility of the 22 individuals who have sued Deshaun Watson. We've seen no clips from their deposition transcripts, and I don't know if that implies they are credible, they aren't credible, whatever. But credibility is is a critical element of a case like this. When you take into account the fact that every 22... Every one of these 22 cases is going to come down to Deshaun Watson's word against the word of the individual, and they were in the room together with no witnesses. Remember, we talked last year at the outset, got to have a witness present for something like this because you never know how it's going to be remembered by the two parties if it's just them later. So how Deshaun Watson is able to tell a story that is believable is going to be critical in every one of these cases, and there eventually will be, absent a settlement or a dismissal, 22 separate cases. So whether you can believe, be believed on other things is going to be relevant to whether you can be believed on the most important things. You know, Deshaun Watson wants to be able to recite from the card that he had last week. I never assaulted anyone. I never disrespected anyone. I never harassed anyone. Fine. But when you get down to some of these details, at like this back and forth that you find are attractive. Whoa, well, I, 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 I've got a girlfriend. Well, really? That's your position? And then you throw on top of it, on top of it, the admission from his lawyer from last year that some of these massages became consensual sexual encounters. That kind of blows the whole I've got a girlfriend defense out of the water. That's where it can be very, very tricky. And that's where your credibility can be undermined on one point. And that can then be used by a Tony Busby to make an argument to a jury. You know, you're asking yourselves, can we believe this guy when he says nothing happened that shouldn't have happened? But you got to ask yourself, can you really believe him? And here's how you answer that question. On a fairly obvious topic, he said something that's not believable. It's not objectively believable. And I, look, I don't want to get the hostile text messages and phone calls. You're opposed. I'm not against Deshaun. I'm for the truth. And when I hear that, you know, you kind of want to roll your eyes. Well, did you find her attractive? Well, I wasn't thinking about that. Well, did, did you, or he avoided the question. That wasn't my question. Did you find her attractive? Well, I've got a girlfriend. Well, I know, but you're also wasn't that you know, your reaction it, when you heard it? Wasn't well, that your yes, reaction definitely when you heard going. It? Like, I, there's on, there's better ways to come answer on. it. Certainly, there's no doubt. I will say too, though, you know, to defend him in this, you know, you're being coached. You're afraid to say anything. He's afraid to say anything. So you, you, that's where it's a little weird too. Well, you, that's you know. not that's not how you coach him. You know how you coach him? Because I've had clients who have done that, right? where they feel like they need to engage in some form of swordplay with the lawyer to try to keep the lawyer from trying to make his point. Like, you get a sense where the lawyer is going. The lawyer is asking you a series of questions that are very well crafted, and it's forcing you into a corner, and you don't like it. So you resist being forced into a corner. Right. So it's like, no, no, just go ahead. I, I've, I've had to stop depositions. I've had to, I've had to embellish 
the urgency to go to the bathroom, to stop a deposition, to get the client out in the hall and tell the client, you got to stop this. You're not trying to win the case through your testimony. All you should be trying to do is answer the questions truthfully. Isn't that what I told you? Answer every question truthfully. I'll deal with whether or not the truth is going to hurt us or help us. But I'm fine with the truth. I know the truth. You've told me the truth. Now go tell him the truth when he asks you some questions. And don't feel like, oh, no, we're losing the case here. I have to push back. That's what happens. That's what happens. And that's one of the challenges of getting someone ready. And it's why I said that week when he was getting ready to be questioned. Remember what I said that week? Remember what I said? What? You got deposition. You got depositions coming up. You don't need to be oh, yeah. spending visiting three hours and all that. visiting right. to Zoom meetings with teams, face-to-face right. meetings with teams. You don't need to be worried about that. You need to be worried about one thing, being ready for this deposition, remembering everything I told you, getting a good night's sleep, and going in there fully aware and cognizant and locked in of what your job is. And it's very simple, but it's also very difficult. Just tell the truth in response to the questions. It becomes difficult when you feel like the lawyer is scoring points and you're making it easier for him because you're giving him the answer that he expects. If it's the truth, it doesn't matter. Give him the answer he expects as long as it's a truthful answer. Yeah. So that's, yeah. where, that's where it gives me concern because that, that now will be an 80-pound weight that, that is dragging on the case when it's time to go to trial. Yeah. Um, well, it's it, this is like he's going to have this 80 pound weight on him no matter what. Every press conference he has, Mike. I mean, even, you know, the one on Friday with the, the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, there, there was some people there who I can't remember exactly what it was that they didn't believe. Right. The fact of, you know, Cleveland was never out of it or it was one of those. It was something one aspect no, of my that. contract, your contract, my contract. Right. The contract wasn't a factor. It wasn't a factor. Right. Right, yeah. which, you know, of course, again, the, I'm sorry. These are, you know, the position Deshaun Watson's in right now. But people look at that, and you read comments on social media or your posts, and it's, hey, right. that's BS. He's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. If he lies about that, he'll lie about this, blah, 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 well, blah. blah. He that's how it works. That. I know. That's how it works. I, I know. know. Well, wh- but why in the world would he say the contract wasn't a factor when it clearly was? I, I don't that's what makes That's what makes me question his credibility. I get And you. I know. How dare you? I know I'm going to get the text or the phone call. I, you're against Deshaun. No. No. I, I, why didn't somebody tell him to go ahead and say it's okay to say it's about the – of course it's about the of contract. Of course it is because he's, afraid, was he's afraid to hurt Cleveland's fans and didn't want to make it look like, oh, it was only the money that brought me back here. So, yeah, you talk to anybody that has any knowledge of the situation. You know, the, the reports that were originally out there from everything I've been led to believe were correct. Cleveland was out of it. They, they had moved on. They were looking at other teams. Then Cleveland realized, oh, crap, we really screwed things up with Baker Mayfield. We got to make him an offer he can't refuse, like Godfather style. That's what they did, right? And then, you know, this, this the other aspect of this is I just – I have a hard time thinking that this isn't going to be something that continues to go on. A release of a video here, a release of a video there. I mean, the cases exactly. aren't settled. If I'm Tony Busby – you know, this is what I'm going to do to continue to put pressure and and stoke up the flame of this conversation. Hey, Cleveland, here you are. You watch another clip. This guy in the deposition not answering a question that smoothly. Do you like this guy as a quarter? He's going to continue to bring this stuff up until this gets settled or he gets the result he wants out of this. Yeah. Um, 
the the reality is that he's trying to increase the settlement pressure on Deshaun Watson, and this is a way to do it. Dribs and drabs of pieces of his deposition aimed at sparking discussions like the one we're having yeah, now, and exactly. we'll see what else comes out there. And, and, and we'll see if Rusty Harden, who represents Deshaun Watson, ever responds in kind with clips of pieces of depositions of the individuals who are suing Deshaun Watson that may make them look not credible. Will they go that far with it? That will be interesting to see because I know in the past what Harden has tried to do when he's had periodic press conferences, try to lay out some facts that would suggest there were credibility issues with the 22 plaintiffs. Those efforts have fallen flat. They never got the traction. I know they were frustrated that, well, why aren't people writing about these holes in the arguments that the 22 individuals are making. Well, one of one of the realities is we don't know who these people are. They're not yeah. Deshaun Watson. They're not right. the public figure. So they are less likely to be scrutinized and criticized publicly. And you really need to have a silver bullet. If you're going to take on an allegation that someone is making that they were in any way the victim of sexual misconduct, you better be able to hit the bullseye with it or you're going to end up looking like someone who is just trying to, to nitpick and come up with a reason to not believe somebody who otherwise has not given us any reason for us to not believe them. So it's a, it's a delicate balance. It's a dangerous game to be played. But if there is some clip from one or more of these individuals that can be played at some point, I suspect it's going to be leaked to the media just like the Watson excerpt was because it's fair game. There's right. no court order preventing this from happening. What, what, when does the NFL like make a decision here? Like, what, what, why? Why? At some point, I would think they got to do something to inform the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson. Like, what what is the matter about the civil cases now? Why? I mean, we okay. There's an issue here. Whatever we know it. The NFL under the personal conduct policy, they have every right to to give Deshaun Watson a suspension here. You know, what what do you think they're waiting for here? Why not get it already out there? You know, get a new fr- thing out there for the 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 fans that are mad at this to go like, all right, yeah, he got signed. But now we're going to take care of him and we get suspended. You know, that might appeal to some of those people right now who are, are putting some backlash out there about Watson and, you know, of course, a monumental contract after he sat out of football for a year. Let's hear from the man whose name appears on every NFL football, Commissioner Roger Goodell, talking about the Deshaun Watson situation and specifically the possibility of Watson landing on the commissioner exempt list if these cases are still lingering come football season. The only thing that's changed is the criminal element um, it has been at least resolved. Um, and, and that was an important element in the context of the commissioner exempt that we've discussed with our Players Association. So that was an important, if, if the criminal had proceeded, that would more likely have triggered a commissioner exempt. I think at this point, a civil case in and of itself would not do that. If there's a violation of the personal conduct policy, that may trigger something. But it, that would more likely trigger some kind of system discipline in some fashion. We uh, now have obviously at least resolution from the criminal side of it. Um, obviously, there's still civil charges that are going on. So our investigators hopefully will have access to more information. Um, and that will be helpful, obviously, in getting to the conclusion of what are the facts and, and was there a violation of the personal conduct policy. But that determination will be made by a joint uh, a disciplinary officer that was established by um, the NFLPA and the NFL. 
And so she will make that decision when the facts are all in, um, and we'll see. I, there's no time frame on that. We've been very clear with every club uh, that whether the, the criminal matter, it gets resolved or not, the personal conduct policy is something that's very important to us. Uh, and so the personal conduct policy does not need a criminal violation to be a violation of the personal conduct policy. So they recognize that that's something that we're going to pursue. Uh, we're going to make sure that we get to the bottom of the facts and make sure that how it applies to the personal conduct policy. See, the NFL is very concerned about interfering with ongoing criminal proceedings. Now that the grand jury work is over, and there were two separate grand juries that considered whether or not to charge Deshaun Watson, the NFL can begin to focus even more aggressively and thoroughly on the facts. And they'll get access to the facts because they have or should have all of the deposition transcripts. They have or should have the videotapes of the depositions so they can actually watch and see and observe. It's one thing to read it on a page. It's yeah. another thing to actually see right. how the person answers the question, the way they deliver the words, how they pause, how they hesitate, what the look on their face is. So they'll have people who now can watch and study all of that as they try to come to a decision. And look, there, there's there's now, I, I think, three options. Because the commissioner made it clear yesterday, paid leave pending the resolution of the cases is very unlikely to occur because if they're going to do anything at this point, they're going to go ahead and find a violation. They're not going to say he may have violated it. He should be prevented from playing at all until we can make a final decision. So they're either going to suspend him now and he serves his suspension and it's over regardless of what happens with the civil cases, or they're going to wait until the civil cases end and at that point, if he wins all 22 of them, I don't know what the wrongdoing is. And maybe he doesn't get suspended at all. I don't know because I don't know what the violation is if he's yeah. ultimately found to have done nothing wrong. And three, suspend him now and leave the door open for maybe something more later based upon what the verdicts are, what the juries decide in these cases. That's another way to kind of do a half measure now and wait and see. They did that sort of with Antonio Brown in 2020. He was suspended eight games for several other things. I mean, he had a whole list of things that he had done away from the field that he got punished for at once but as it related to a pending civil action accusing him of sexual misconduct and rape that was left open pending the outcome of the case that case was eventually settled and the nfl took no further action yeah uh, it's uh i i understand them they want to watch the investigation take its place they don't want to interfere i get that you know and and i guess I do understand, you know, now that, you know, you just talked and I listened to you there, I guess they do got to wait to hear it out with these civil cases or at least get a little bit better of a feel of where they're going. You know, to, to your point, I mean, if, if, if he came out, you know, Scott clean on one side or Scott, Scott free, is it Scott free? I think it's Scott free it, on one side. You almost said Scotch free. That's you right. Almost said Scotch free. Yeah. Yeah. Scotch free. That was the old saying there we talked about. Um, but if he does that, then I, I would think that's, you know, of course, would make them think, okay, maybe we don't suspend him as, you know, as long as we thought we might or whatever. So maybe that's what they're waiting for. I just thought maybe, you know, they probably had a good feel for where this was at right now. And, you know, we've seen, I feel like people get suspended for less than this, you know, as far as, you know, uh, violating league rules or, or bad you know, behavior to the shield. Uh, that's where I thought maybe they'd be a little farther down the road. Well, and look, they have enough. If they want to suspend him for his habit 
of setting up massages through Instagram with the acknowledgement that some of those sessions became consensual sexual encounters. That's enough for the NFL to say we believe he requires an intervention here. We believe he needs counseling. We believe that part of that should be he will not be playing football during this period of time that we come to the conclusion that he understands that this is something that is not proper behavior for someone who plays quarterback or any position for an NFL team. That is the way to draw it back to the Ben Roethlisberger case because that's a very similar reasoning to what was articulated 12 years ago when the commissioner suspended Roethlisberger even though he had never been arrested or charged and he had one pending lawsuit in Nevada had an allegation that was made in Georgia after that didn't result in criminal charges that's when he got suspended that same logic could apply it's not apples to apples but it's close enough it could apply to Deshaun Watson and justify a suspension regardless of what happens with the 22 civil cases the mere fact that he was putting himself in this position where he is finding massage therapists on Instagram and some of those sessions are becoming consensual sexual encounters. This whole 22-person lawsuit mess for Watson and the league comes from apparently this idea he had that these massages all end a certain way and 22 people disagree, Yeah, obviously. Right, right. All right, so wait, here's another thing that I want to throw at you because this seems to be all right, the we, – we got the – you know, the disappointment, the outrage by some people with Deshaun Watson and all that. But then we have, of course, the aspect of the contract. The contract, of course, makes people angry. I understand that. Like we talked about last or earlier this week, it's not a good look that, you know, a guy that's had this history, he's got the greatest contract in history of football. That's how they re- he's rewarded. It certainly doesn't look good. I agree with that. But I think the other thing that bothers people, at least from what you gauge on social media, too, and people that are a little knowledge of the situation is, uh, the the way the contract's set up to where it can avoid if he's suspended, he doesn't really have to pay big time money or money that is you know equal to the amount of pay he's going to actually make in the grand scheme of things. There, the, w- what's your thought on that? Is the NFL going to do something about that? Is that right? I just like to hear you talk about that for well, a second. The NFL has never done anything about it in the past. Right. Tom Brady and That's the Patriots right. restructured his contract in 2016 in advance of the Deflategate suspension to reduce the amount of money that he was going to make. And whatever the motivation, because people will say, well, it is standard. And the Browns said this last week. It is standard to have a big signing bonus the first year of a contract, a small salary. You get a lower cap number. It is. And you have bigger yeah. cap numbers in later years. This is not uncommon. Right. It just, in this case, the way the NFL calculates the financial consequences of a suspension, that's all you lose. You lose your game check. You don't lose your proportionate share of your cap number, which right. maybe is what it should be. It should be the allocation of the bonus applied to this year per game. Maybe that is the amount that should be forfeited. So the NFL rules allow this giant loophole. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with taking advantage one. of it, especially when there there is a cap reason yeah. for having a small salary in the first year of a contract, and that's not uncommon. Now, the other side of it, too, is they could they could fine him instead yeah, of suspending. Yeah, right, 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 right. They could they could they could uh, they, they do that with uh, the substance abuse policy. They they'll fine you a game check. Yeah, you know they could they could they could. Uh, presumably do whatever they want to do now again it's subject to a more neutral review than it used to be but 
Or they could just close the loophole if they want to. They can come up with some other way for the financial penalty to apply under the personal conduct policy. They've got the power to change that if they want to. And they've got a lot of leeway under the current personal conduct policy. So uh, I know it bothers some people. Uh, and maybe it, you know, it, it, it's, it, it should, but the broader context is the NFL has created the loophole, hasn't closed it, and there is a legitimate reason unrelated to minimizing his financial loss to, uh, yeah. uh, yeah, to, 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 to do doing it. what yeah. the Browns right. did. Right. Um, let's talk about Baker Mayfield very quickly. Yeah. Andrew Barry, the GM of the team, talked about it yesterday, and the bottom line is, I'm not going to read the whole quote, but the bottom line is they're not going to do anything for now. They don't need to. They don't need the cap money, unlike the... 49ers who could use to have that 25 million that's tied up with Jimmy Garoppolo to sign Nick Bosa or Debo Samuel. The Browns aren't in that spot. They don't need to do it. And they assume Baker's going to play along with this. Baker's a professional. He's under contract. We have the flexibility. Well, what's going to happen when the offseason program starts? What's going to happen if they continue to squat on him? Is he going to stay away or is he going to show up and say, you got to deal with me? You got to deal with me. I'm here. I'm here and I'm ready to play. And until you trade me or cut me, I'm here, and I expect to take reps like anyone else. I expect to be involved like anyone else. At what point is it counterproductive for the Browns to have a guy there who they know they're going to get rid of, who doesn't want to be there, at a time when you're trying to properly absorb Deshaun Watson into your team and have him take over? Baker Mayfield is a distraction, and if he insists on being involved in the offseason program, training camp preseason, he becomes even more of a distraction. So they're trying to slow play this. The question is, will Baker be on board with it? Yeah, uh, Baker, maybe at some point he has to do that. Now, you know, they, they, he can go to the facility and all that too. He can. You know, the other, I'm just going to give everybody, you know, uh, the, the other side of this. Yeah, he could sit out, right, and just be the professional and go, okay, I'll just sit and wait my time, whatever. But, you know, at the same time, if he starts to feel like, wait, I, I know this team really wants me and we want to get the ball rolling – you go to the facility, you show up, right? You put pressure on them. Like you've mentioned many times with the Steve McNair or whatever else. Hey, the guy gets hurt. All of a sudden you're on the hook for that salary this year in, in offseason training. But the other thing, too, to where, you know, we could talk about it. It'll be hard, you know, for Baker Mayfield, too, to do that scenario because they're going to just, you know, act like he's not there, basically. They are. I mean, when it comes to the football stuff, he's going to be treated like – you know, the stepchild, the fifth-string quarterback, whatever. he's going to get zero reps. That doesn't matter. So he's going to sit there and waste time doing it as well. But nonetheless, when he's in the weight room or doing the workout, you know, that they put out, put forth for the rest of the team, well, they can't avoid that. That's where he does have a little power. But the rest of the stuff, yeah, he's going to not get much attention, and they're going to act like he's not there. He's not going to get coached on the football field or anything like that. It's going to be all about Watson and – that, that there is just where can Baker check his ego at the door and handle that to make a move or force Cleveland's hands. That, that is something to watch out for. Or, or, or will he decide to be heard every single day? Why are they doing this? Why are we doing this That's, charade? Yeah. They can't find a trade partner for me. I don't want to be here. They don't want me here. I love Cleveland. I wanted to stay here. They didn't want me. And, you know, the PR department cannot make him available. He can do a press conference outside the front door of the sure. facility if he wants to. Yeah. Hey, media, they're not letting me talk. Let's go out front. Or he can just go to social media. He can do videos. He can do anything he wants if he wants to do it. They're setting this up. For Baker Mayfield, if he's not on board with it, and why? Look, Chris, why would he be on board with it? He's getting eighteen point eight million this year from the Browns, no matter what. 
And, you know, even if they have to cut him, he's getting 18.8 minus whatever he gets. Yeah, that's right. Else. I forgot about that aspect, too. He does yeah. not have to play or he does not have to play this game with them. And, and here's the bottom line. They have thrown him out the door, but they want to keep him inside in the event that, that they can get something in return. Yeah. Well, I, wait. You know. Ca- yeah. We still we stumbled on something. I mean, you, you know, I, I kind of misspoke earlier. I forgot about that aspect there too. Where, you know, even if they get cut, they're going to be on the hook. So maybe that's where they don't look at it too. You know, that's the big difference between him and Garoppolo. Yeah, exactly right. The There's Browns a are on there, the hook no matter no what. matter what. So they, they can maybe look at it and go, "Eh, well, we, we don't care. We're a little, you know, we're going to be patient here." You know, uh, that that aspect. And then the other thing too, you know. T- to your point or what you were saying about Baker Mayfield, he can do that for sure. There's no question. But I would say, you know, and again, you can disagree, but I, 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 Baker's got to be a little careful. He's got, he's got a little reputation around the league, whether he likes it or not. He does. And there is some people that are turned off by Baker Mayfield. So if he starts doing that every day or whatever, you know, of course, that could lead to more people going, damn, we sure we want this guy on our team? Holy crap. He's, he's a handful. Uh, that, that that's what I would say to just the other side of that story. But he, he's no less of a handful if he decides that he's going to fight fire with fire here and everybody knows what the Browns are doing. Yeah, that's squatting right. on him until there's right. an injury somewhere yeah, else. Right. And, and you know, the, the only benefit to Baker of playing along is, number one, maybe people think, okay, he, he, he can restrain himself if he needs to. And maybe if he's willing to, to go through with a trade, he lands in a new place sooner and has more of a chance to get ready for the season. If the Browns hold on to his rights up until the start of the regular season and the Steelers come calling, well, maybe they won't come calling because they're ready to go with Mitchell Trubisky. They like what they've seen from Mitchell Trubisky. We don't want Baker now. Whereas if Baker's available now, see, if I'm Baker, I'm doing everything I can to get cut now. I'm doing everything I can to get cut now. And I know that there's a PR balance to it, and you don't want to come off as even more of a punk. But you don't want me. I don't want to be here. You've moved on. Let me move on. And that's an argument that if you craft it the right way, it's a compelling argument. You've moved on from me. Please let me move on from you. Yeah, no, he's he's got, you know, something to stand on there for sure. I mean, there's he's definitely been wrong to a degree. And you'd, you'd like to see them do right. He's got a, he's got every right to be disgruntled here in this situation. No question. And, and to your point too, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is something to the fact of uh, if you're, if you're, if you are Cleveland that you, you, you want to expedite this as, as quickly as possible. Like you said, and maybe you don't want the Seahawks to get to the draft and go, well, damn, the quarterback fell in our lap. Now we got drew Locke and another guy that we drafted in the first round. We don't need Baker Mayfield. Or whatever, what other other team? Carolina, same type of thing. Or they, oh, hey, so uh, if, if if that's what I would be scared of, if I'm Cleveland, then that that r- takes two trade partners out. So now might be the time to, like you said, to where the team can get their guy and go, and not look at other avenues or be, you know, shown, whoa, this guy is pretty good. That's on our roster. We don't need him. Uh, th- that that's something to think about for sure. I think they're rolling the dice on the reality that when the draft comes and goes, there will be a team Somebody's gonna be out. that is left holding the bag yeah. and they're going to want Baker Mayfield. But as Pete points out, you know, if you're waiting for some unexpected development to create a market for Baker Mayfield, the problem is Jimmy Garoppolo's out there too. Yes. So you got two of these guys right. 
that are going to be, at least their teams are going to be jockeying to place them with a team that has a need at quarterback. It's a dangerous game for these teams. I just, you know, I had this this image, and I, I'm not going to feel like I've, I've – even though it's really not that funny, I just can't – so why am I saying it? I just can't help but think of when, you know, they do the – and they haven't done it here in a while, but there was a time when once a year they would take whatever trash you put out on your front lawn, whatever you want to get rid of. Not just the regular garbage, anything you want, old TVs, whatever, whatever, stuff you don't use. And I remember I would get pissed when someone would drive around with a pickup truck and take stuff from it. You know, I mean, I should just say, fine, take it and use it. But it's kind of like, hey, no, 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 no. If you, if you see value in that, I want, you know, I want to do a garage. I want to do a, a, a garage sale next to all the crap I'm otherwise throwing out. That's kind of like what's going on here with Cleveland. They're done with Baker Mayfield. He is out there on the stoop or on the, on the front lawn waiting for the garbage man to come get him. But they're holding him back because somebody may roll by in that pickup truck saying, hey, we kind of like this. We're yeah. going to go grab this, yeah. you know, and I, and they're, tr- so they're trying to have it both ways. They there. are. There's no doubt about and it's, that. At some point, Baker, I think has every right to say, this isn't fair to me. Yeah. I, yeah that's yes. what I think. I, 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 he does. He has every, every right to say that he does. I mean, Cleveland made their own bet in this situation. That's for sure. We were shocked that there was no plan B. I mean, again, you know, you could throw this a little bit under like the green Bay, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan love thing to be like, Really? Do you guys not know how to read the room? You didn't think Baker Mayfield was going to get upset that you guys were visiting with Deshaun Watson and going down to Houston to see him? Like, really? You didn't have a plan B for, wait, Baker Mayfield might get pissed and say he doesn't want to play for us ever again? That, that to me, is still shocking, and I think they kind of got away with a free one there and the fact that there was no plan and they got really lucky. And then, of course, Jimmy Haslam gave a contract that, uh, you know, is going to piss the rest of the NFL off forever. The fact that they did that to Sean Watson, yeah, he's got something to settle on here. I don't know. The more we sit here and talk about it, the more days that go by. I mean, come on. Come on. He's not getting traded. There's no way. Nobody's going to trade for him. I just don't see that happening. At some point, he's going to get released and he's going to get a chance to sign with whoever he wants. I just don't see it happen. Oh, wow. There it is. The progressive commercial. Life imitates art. There it is. Baker Mayfield doesn't realize he's also on one of those tables now. Damn. He's not just the guy he's who's running the He's not living there sale. anymore, huh? He's not no, living there. No. doesn't have to take care of the stadium. No. He's gonna, they're gonna, someone's going to have to change the alarm you know, system. It, it code six, right? I mean, they, they were great commercials. I will be sad to see those go. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. The Ravens did something yesterday with their head coach that they have still been unable to do with their starting quarterback. We'll explain next on PFT Live. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. 
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.